Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by two very different swarthy gentlemen this week. I've got uh, one, Adam Jarvie, Hello. architect, beautiful man, Liga MX expert, <laughs> uh, new father-ish, yeah. four, four months-ish, that's still new. We'll call that new. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. Also a Midway resident. Yeah. A lot less so. gunshots in your part of Midway, though. Uh, I'm not sure. We could have a competition. Okay. It's consistent here. All right. <laughs> Clockwork. Consistency. Uh, last week, I did tell the, the story of uh, shaking my ass, the, uh, the, the woman on uh, Memorial, Memorial Day night uh, um, performing for the neighborhood. Uh, also, uh, St. Paulite, right? Correct. West 7th. Uh, the the uh, representing West 7th, and also um, the king of watches, Mark Fangmeyer. Hey. Hey, you know, some call me a dreamer. I just like to have people come here who can play. It's a weird, very weird thing. Um, so I'm glad to be joined by both of you. I had to record this early, too early for um, Eric and Rodrigo and Alex uh, because I'm going off to Pennsylvania. And so I'm going to actually see my family for a little bit during my uh, my bachelor month. Um, uh, Rumspringer, as I, as I call it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in your native tongue, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's good to have uh, you guys. I've wanted you, Adam. You were on the show ages ago, yeah. Um, and uh, Mark, you've never been on the show, but you've you've made you've you've been uh, you've been a presence on the show for a long time. Yeah, I mean, me and my Benedetti Love Fest. Yeah, well, yeah. I feel like you and I have never really talked about this, even no. off off mic. Uh, our love of of Nicholas Benedetti. Uh, and so we will do that on this. Oh. We, we're going to rehash all the watches, all the dreaming, uh, and and we've got uh, obviously we're going to talk about um, the Minnesota loss to Philadelphia Union. Um, and uh, first, before we do that, you as the the resident Liga MX expert, Adam, you are you are a fan of. So I'm an America fan, Club America from okay. Mexico City. So. Yeah. Uh, Darwin coming here was a big deal for yeah. me. Me, you, and, me and Jim Oliver, I think, were the two most excited people in the state of Minnesota for uh, Darwin Quintero to come here. Jim Oliver does watch a lot of uh, League MX, I feel like. He does, uh, because it's chaos. More often yes. more often than even MLS, it's it's chaos. Yeah. And so how did you become a, a Club America fan? I became a Club America fan because they were on TV a lot. And maybe that's uh, not a deep answer to give, but yeah. it's kind of like, so Katie asked me this one time too, and I said, you know, it's it's actually the same way that I became a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. So I grew up in northern Minnesota. We got Canadian TV. Montreal Canadiens were on Hockey Night in Canada every single week. So that's who I watched. That's who I became a fan of. When we cut cable because we were cheap, Univision was free over the air. There was soccer on every either Saturday night or Sunday afternoon, and it was usually Club America. So I just started paying attention to them, and I noticed this guy zipping around and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and it was Darwin Quintero. And yeah. I think I'd have to go back and research the tweets, but you could probably find a tweet from like four years ago where I was like, hey, Nick Rogers signed Darwin Quintero. Yeah, no, I, I I knew that you were I knew of him largely because of of uh, the way that you would uh, go all yeah. in on DQ. It made um, more sense last year, yeah, <laughs> than this year. <laughs> uh, well, we can talk about that. Um, so, uh, uh, and then the League MX finals happened uh, last week against uh, Tigres and, and Leon. Leon Miguel Ta- Ibarra's 
Yeah. Brief former club. Um, who's the, who's the, the, um, crap. Who's the American actor who's a big Tigris fan? <laughs> Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> so, Act- actor uh, in quotes. M- Miguel Ibarra's yeah. team versus Rob Schneider's team. How did, the, who, who won? Uh, Tigres came oh. out ahead and, which is tough for Leon because Leon had a season almost to end all seasons. They were absolutely fantastic this year. They were kind of um, maybe a little bit unheralded coming in into this latest campaign, but they uh, they largely wrote on the back of Angel Mena, who's a 31-year-old striker who just banged in goal after goal after goal. And he was uh, not at his best in the final series, and, and Tigres just had way too much depth for him. Um, was Gignac, uh central for to take? Gignac is the one player I love. Yeah, he from he TV, was so. he was critical. He scored he scored a great goal um, in the final series. Fantastic player. Bizarrely, they didn't start him in the Concacaf Champions League final, yeah. which I think we tweeted back and forth about yeah. for a while. And then they did start, or eventually he came in and, and scored that uh, as a sub superb in a goal. And scores a wonder goal, and everybody's yeah. going, "Come on, Tuca, what are you doing?" But but Tigres' depth is incredible, and I think during the during the Liga MX final, um, I tweeted something to the effect of, um, you know, people like to make comparisons between MLS and Liga MX, and if you want to look at the gap, look at Tigres' bench from yeah. that game. Yeah, there were five guys on their bench that would be justifiably tagged as yeah. DPs in MLS. Maybe Tam, but. I think you could argue that they were DPs. But let's bring you two together, because do you know who plays for Club America? Nicholas Benedetti. Yes. Nicholas Benedetti. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and, uh, and I, how- I became a Club America fan eh, this off season, about what January, February, yeah, whatever that yeah, happened. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Benedetti, how did he do this year for Club America? He was largely just kind of a, a role player, and and this was one of the things that. Um, the move seemed a little weird to me. I think, you know, at, at the time when when the Benedetti watch was like at fever pitch, um, it, you know, there were rumors of Kaku from uh, yeah. Red Bull going to Club America. And I kind of flippantly tweeted, like almost poking fun at our Benedetti watch. Hey, Club America, if Kaku doesn't work out, there's this guy, <laughs> you know, playing down in Columbia that would be a great fit. And sure enough, they go and sign him. He's Clearly, because Wait, so America. I get to blame you for all of my heartache. Yes. Yeah. yeah, either that or Club America owes me some money for yeah. some discovery rights there. But there's, there's many, many, uh, many royalties on uh, signing players yeah. that I feel like I deserve as well. So it's a weird fit, though. He didn't he didn't play a whole lot. In fact, I'd say his um, his involvement with Club America so far this year was a lot like Miguel's when he first went to Lyon. Yeah. A handful of starts in the league, limited minutes as a sub, played a lot in Copa MX games, which is their yeah. version of the of the Open Cup, scored a really, really nice goal kind of late in the season, and then got injured. Yeah. So perfect to come here next year. Um, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll listen to some big quarters, and then we've got some Minnesota United stuff uh, to work through. All right, back on the 55-1 podcast, let's talk about uh, um, Minnesota 2, Philadelphia Union 3. This was the first loss at Allianz Field um, for Minnesota United. Uh, I'll just, I'll say, I just want, 
basic reactions here. Um, I've this was the happiest I've left left a loss all year for Minnesota. Is that do you you guys in agreement with that, or did you were you upset after this? I was frustrated. I don't know that I was upset. I was frustrated because it felt like it was there. Like yeah. it was there for the taking, and you know a couple a couple lapses that led to set pieces that Philadelphia converted, and you know that that was it. But it always felt like we were in the game, and against the number one, what is now the number one team in in the East, um, I you know I felt like we matched up pretty well. It was frustrating not to not to score more, and um, you know I think you look at the two goals we did score. One was hit first time on the volley. The other one, Molino's, was just a, a a clever little little touch to himself, just a one touch, and then bang, hit it. And it felt like um, a lot of the times our other guys were taking two, three, four touches before they hit it, and I, I think that led to what ended up being apparently a record number of, of block, block shots. shots. I yeah. thought we were Th- thirteen. They they originally said fifteen. Yeah, we revised it down. We were getting too cute. We we just gotta just hit the ball sometimes. Yeah, I think like end to end, it was definitely the most exciting match that's been at Allianz Field so far. It was it was just fun to watch. It was like just back and forth the whole time. And I mean, again, it felt like one of those matches that Minnesota should have won four or five to one. Yeah, and like it. They, all of the goals from Philadelphia just seemed like, except for the free kick, were out of the run of play. There's like you know the PK, and then there's you know the off the corner, whatever. And like it just seemed like it was against the run of play. Where if we had actually you know finished a marginal, like a small proportion of our chances, we could have easily had another like you know four or five goal night, but we didn't. So was, did you leave that feeling mad about that or consigned or what? What was your emotions leaving it? I mean, honestly, compared to like how all of the other matches have felt recently in our lack of offense, I was slightly optimistic in that I was like, well, yeah. at least we had chances. Like yeah. we hadn't had any chances before in the previous like what five, six matches. Yeah. Really? Like so the fact that we scored two goals, probably could have had four more is a good thing, especially for an offense prior to that was just sputtering along and not doing anything. Yeah. It, so let's talk about um, you know, the first uh, 20 minutes, it was pretty electric for, for Minnesota. We had a number of chances. Um, and then against the run of play, we get this penalty kick where um, I was watching, I was up in the, I was up in fancy suites for this game for until I joined my people in the 60th minute. Did but you wear I, your red loon scarf up there though? Uh, I wore I wore the same shirt that I've been wearing the th- three days in a row. I had to wear it again. T- I had to put it again today for an interview. Uh, so yes, I was wearing the uh, the soccer queer labor version of the red loons, uh, the 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 Stonewall shirt. Um, uh, I was up with Lavender Magazine uh, watching from there, and it's like 30 yard line. So I had a perfect you know side view of Coleman's uh, tackle, and it you could you could see it. He had it. And he just, like, I could literally hear his brain move, right? He, he just thought about it too much, yeah. half a second, goes in for the tackle. It was so good. He had it, and then he just thought too much or, or whatever. And it's such a bummer because up until that point, I was thinking, oh, damn, he looks good tonight. Especially, like, especially Brent. I was like, he's really gotten... Uh, on his this guy's number he's he's doing well and then he gives up a you know he he had two mistakes this game and I I did not think he did poorly but 
No. You know, when you make two mistakes, you still made two mistakes. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that he didn't make those. But it was so frustrating with, with that. And of course, they they put it away. But yeah, I think I saw in the post match comments that Brett had. He talked about how he was so confident that he was going to have that tackle that he actually took a split second to like see who was out wide that he could clear it to. And that's the delay that caused him to like just yeah, a maybe split that's second it. delay. Maybe that was the brain that you could hear the brain moving there. Um, I, I will say that then their other goal was I forget who gave up the free kick. Um, I, I've been running around crazy, so I haven't even yeah. really watched the highlights. So apologies to everyone, but um, it, the free kick that Madunian put in was superb. Say that name again, Madunian. Yeah. I have nice. no idea how to pronounce that name. There you go, everybody. I'm glad West Medunian said it. it might be a more of a Medunian with okay. a little bit of a J in there, but do my best. All right. So for someone who pronounces everything wrong, I'm trying. Union Berlin. Union. Union. Union Berlin. Someone was schooling me this week. And I was like, man, dude, I can't, I can't do anything right, so don't try to make So I didn't have a good look at the, at the foul that led to that free kick. I really didn't have a great look at the free kick itself because I was – this is yeah. the first game in five years that Katie and I have been at the game, but weren't in the supporter section. Um, Sellouts. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the now, you were in your other Damn tickets. Damn babies. Because you had Isla with you. Yeah. And because we donated our Wonderwall tickets to Avenues for Youth. So. Attaboy. All right. Um, fine. So we had a little different view than we normally have. So I didn't, I didn't get that great of a view of it in real time, but the, the highlight of it, it looked like a really well hit free kick. I wondered if Vito... Maybe I don't know. There was I'm a right, right-footed uh, and left-footed taker. There's a potential. I was even looking at it, thinking, "Well, it's it's a perfect right-footed shot." Yeah, it was in that that perfect. You could get it to the far post. If you were going to be left, you would probably take it and try to get a header on it. But he took it, and it was good. I yeah, it, it was I, well hit. I can't yeah. blame Vito for that. No, I mean the only thing, looking at the replay, it did look like Angelo was like not really paying attention when the ball was kicked yeah. and didn't jump at all. And, like, had he jumped, maybe he could have gotten ahead to it because it was just outside of where he was. So if you yeah. jump and put your head to the side a little bit, he might be able to get it. But even so, it was a beautiful kick. Like, I mean, he's – I'm just going to call him Harris because I, I can't pronounce his last name. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, he's one of the best free kick takers in MLS, yeah. and he, no one really realizes it, and it was beautiful. When's the last time we've scored – Directly on a free kick. We did last year. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Either. I feel like I feel like there was one last year. It, we don't do it often. Same thing with uh, set pieces, right? Yeah. We got one uh, short short corner this year, but that's kind of cheating. So, um, uh, yeah, it's rare, um, and it's always been something where you're like, these are you know you can't a good free kick taker it's hard to, to create that but set pieces are a thing that you can practice and that we should be better at we're not a tall team but we do have some good guys ike when calvo was here uh coleman yeah they've got good head, heads on it coleman's been a bit unlucky so coleman and ike have been a bit unlucky this year even though ike scored but i like having gregus take corners while we send darwin into the box that seems like a good idea. He Gregush, you know, Gregush is giant, but his foot is really good for that. And sometimes Darwin does take it now. They switch that's on true. and off. That's true. I feel like that's a yeah. And besides, I mean, we're so. 
bad at headers anyways, you might as well Fair. put it a little bit deeper and hope someone can get a volley off of it anyways. Yeah. But we skipped, so we went to the two Philly game, uh, goals in the first half. We skipped Hassani Dotson. Um, Hassani started at left back. That was probably the only the only two uh, roster notes I had was Coleman instead of Boxall. The real question was, would you know, Boxall has done pretty well mm-hmm. since he came back for Ike. Um, Coleman was in, uh, and uh, we know Eric Miller's fit, but uh, Hassani has looked pretty good, so Hassani got the start. Um, and Hassani takes his uh, ball, and holy shit, it was one of the most... You know, aside from the crazy chips of Darwin yeah. last year, one of the most spectacular goals I've seen in years. For yeah, him. and the fact that like it, Ibsen's back heel, sorry, right, and yeah. the fact that like took it off the volley, and even like it one hopped it in. Like it wasn't just like the fact that you could one hop it too was like yeah. No one can plan that really, as far as when you're aiming. And, and stuff. And the fact they did is just amazing. The angle, the spin in yeah. hits the post. I mean, it was a, it was a. It reminded me of Danny Rose versus. Uh, Arsenal years ago. I know this is stupid because I'm a Spurs fan, and then let's all talk about how Spurs lost. Blah blah blah. Whatever. <laughs> Just one of these like Danny Rose. Similarly, yeah. as a left back, no one knew. I think it was his first start. You know, you you get this magical moment, and I'm not sure they ever live up to it. But you know what? Hassani got his magical moment. Good for that dude. The, you know the the exciting thing to me about that was that here's this young guy who's come in and immediately seamlessly kind of fits in and he doesn't he doesn't stand out as being a rookie he's seamless yeah on the field against the number one team in the east and he looks like he belongs but he gets out there and he has the confidence as a left back to see that ball coming in and say you know what i'm going to take a crack at this yeah i i kind of think after you're after you've been in in the league for a while after you've been in a system for a while Sometimes there's like an institutional hesitancy to do stuff like that right. that kind of gets ingrained in you. So I think for somebody relatively fresh like Hassani to come in and just say, yeah, why not? I'm going to hit that was was really exciting to see as a fan. Because I, I look around at the rest of our, our roster and I don't you know who else tries that shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you can say even from Miguel right in front of him, Miguel, Lord knows no one loves him more than me, but like shoot the ball, man. Just yeah. take it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a, several times you already mentioned this, Mark, but several times it was like, "Don't take any more touches. Just take the ball, right. take a shot." Angelo um, would have trapped it and instinctively turned around. The man, yeah. the man has heat-seeking <laughs> missiles, and by heat it means a defender. That like literally no one has more block shots than that dude because somehow it's it's largely because he always plays so close to the defenders. But goddamn. Oh yeah, right. I, let yeah. me. And it's t- I mean, when you're playing back to a defender and you have literally a guy on your ass, yeah, it's tough to control the ball and turn quickly when there's going to be two other guys in front of you with him. By the time you do it, like yeah, I just can, can we talk, Angela, for a minute? Yeah, because yeah. um, I want your opinion on it, but I'm going to say my positive opinion right now. Part of it was watching for the first time in this the stadium from an elevated point, and I was like, maybe I didn't see this before. But there was one point early in early in the game where there was a really good movement from the team. Angelo came out wide, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" He's not. Does has he ever moved from his central position? He came out wide. He created space, and the team moved into it. And I thought, I literally said, uh, "I was like, 
that's different. Heath must have like because I saw Heath talking to Angelo before the game. Yeah, and I was like, that's different. Heath must have like done that, and then Angelo never did it again in the game. But I thought he had a really good first half. Probably not a good second half if I remember, but I was really impressed with the first half. Yeah, I'd agree. There was a couple times where even like his hold up play at midfield set up guys breaking down the side. I don't remember if it was Finley or Abara, but it just set up guys, and he did really good on that. And again, like the going to space, like I'm like I think it was the same play where I was like, "Whoa, Angelo's out on the wing." What's <laughs> we he, all did. Everyone was like, doing whoa, whoa, out whoa, there?" We all got an alert on our phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> emergency alert. But yeah, no, I mean, field. yeah. I hope we can see more of that because, I mean, as of this point, especially if you look at Darwin's slump and playing with Angelo, it seems like it was just a very poor tactical calculation on the part of Heath and Manny, not to harp on like the Ramirez trade and yeah. training out, but it, the players don't match up styles at all. Like you have two players that want to be on the ball all the time and you have no one opening up space and making those runs and it's just not working everybody at home drink it's the uh first uh they don't have chemistry but you know who would have christian uh a mention of the podcast yeah i, I don't know angelo is an he's an interesting player and I, I can i'm not really sure how i feel about him and i think part of that is because i'm i think my my assessment of him is tainted by the fact that I can't let go of the designated player tag. Yeah, yeah. I I think if he's not a designated player, and I and I know I've read I've read all the articles about why technically, from a roster mechanism thing, he is a designated player. But I still think you need if you're going to use those spots, they've got to be used on people who are going to consistently be difference makers. And mm-hmm. when you've got a number nine that's a designated player that you've paid a not insignificant amount of money for you need a killer instinct and I, and I think and maybe that's just not the type of player he is and maybe I'm trying to force that but like you said a him. difference maker and, and I don't know that he's and he's can, not been bad but I don't know that he's been a difference MLS maker MLS players who can hold up the ball well right like there's guys around yeah. who can do that get Pablo Campos out of uh, retirement he'll, he'll fall down and draw a foul every five seconds yeah I mean but, I, I like the guy I, th- I think he's a good player i like what he brings to the game but if that was the piece that we were banking on to kind of be that offensive difference maker i don't think we've seen it yet the tags are really hard to get get around because but if you look at our offseason uh, aqua- uh like acquisitions ike ozzy metonier gregush uh there's a fifth Manone. no Manone. yeah 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 Manone. Right. Um, uh, you look at how Ike and Ozzy have been two of the best. Metonier yeah. probably the best, right? Metonier's yep. a Tam guy. But two of the best for really changing the dynamic of the team. It's got to be Ozzy. And sure, he's older. But those are MLS guys. They're available. Right. Would you rather spend whatever in however much money you spend for a really good MLS player? A million... Yep. 1.5 million for an, a really good MLS player who's a who's maybe more like Ike, a little bit younger, yep. uh, or even younger than him, right? Uh, uh, you know, if, if they had really gone after um, uh, Kellen Acosta, right? Right. Rather than, like, you know, we talk about Angel with the DP tag, Grey Goosh. Yeah. Who was not bad this game, but like... No, I actually thought it was one of his better games. Yeah. He looked really good. But as a difference maker, do you, do you feel like there's been any games... 
this year where Gregush has been a difference maker? And I'm, I'm asking, it's a loaded way to ask yeah. that, but you can say, I guess there might be a couple, but like, hmm, yeah, no, know. it all depends too. That's because I mean, he's been when he isn't connect. Like his biggest drawback is he's not really connecting well with our offense. Like he's not connecting the defense to the offense the way you want your number eight to. But at the same time, our offense hasn't been great either. So there's not been a whole lot to connect yeah. to, and just with him and Ozzy patrolling the top of the box. I thought he's been looking great defensively. And sure. especially because going in, a lot of the knocks on him is that, like, oh, he tends to be uh, a bit clumsy, a bit over aggressive defensively. And I haven't seen that except for, you know, that what he got the red card or whatever. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I, and so I thought from that standpoint, he's been good. And good, lo and behold, like, he looked good uh, yesterday. But it was also when our offense was also looking good and has had opportunities. It just so happens that we didn't finish the opportunities. So I don't know what that says about him and if he's still just kind of adjusting and if our offense is still adjusting with him there. I wondered about the offensive side of his game and, and how much of it is um, the instruction that he's being given. Mm-hmm. If if he's been told, basically, you and Ozzy need to just lock it down defensively and focus on that, and as a result, he's being too conservative and going forward because I think – the admittedly limited highlights we saw of him from from the Danish league, he was he was advanced in the field an awful lot. And again, I'm I'm admitting that I haven't watched like a bunch of full games of his, but we were seeing all sorts of highlights of yeah. like thirty you yard go back and thirty yard wonder old, strikes. Like two year old you know? Danish uh, Danish super league. I, I did not. When you signed up, I, I did not watch one match. I'm sure they're on backlog on ESPN like, Plus. I feel like us fans should like just like. Combined to get a wise a wise scout uh, um, subscription, I'm sure it's like twenty thousand dollars. But we can we can go fund me that. We can all. But it's probably I, lost I guess my my point is from yeah. the limited highlights that that we saw when we signed him, and in the days leading up to the rumored signing, he looked like he could offer a lot more on the offensive side of the field than he's shown to date. And I just wonder if that's how much of that is is instruction from the coaching staff to just kind of sit tight and hang back and how much of that is him just getting settled into the league or, or what that mixes we certainly do see we know that our our tactic is heavily on the wings that and we know that that is heath's he said this heath's plan of attack is these advanced fullbacks um and that requires obviously coverage and more than just ozzy holding back there and so you know uh at times, we've seen uh, teams have our number by really focusing in and and screwing up our, our 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 attack there. At times, you have other teams who are really good against the cross and crosses. We know are low percentage uh, um, uh, attacks, but we we weren't just putting in the cross. Were we? It wasn't like Atlanta two year you know, last year, right? Where we were putting we put in a, a kajillion crosses. Yeah. No. I mean, I think. We it, felt, cra- it felt like the second half we did. Yeah, we, yeah especially little, when we went down. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On. Yes, yeah, yeah. But but we scored we were down for most of the second half. Seventy seventh minute is when Molino scored that great goal. Yep. Good for him. Welcome back, Molino. Um uh, both Dunlady and Metinier got assists on that, which I thought was very interesting. I've never I don't think I've seen that. And then Austin Trusty scores in the eighty sixth to win. I, I want to come back to that because I want you to talk about that goal, but but we were chasing it 
a little bit. We were getting a bit more desperate. Yeah, but also at the same time, most of their goals were against the run of play. So we weren't really doing anything all that different from what we were doing when before we went down. Just because we were, our offense was looking pretty good. We were getting opportunities. We were just holding the ball too long and allowing a ridiculous amount of block shots to happen. Yeah, but I mean, you can't really blame uh, Darwin for that miss. You know, that second half where um, is it Angelo dummies it? Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, Darwin shoots. Yeah, defenders like there. The Philly defense was at times harem scarum, helter skelter, whatever the phrase is. Uh, but it was also like. You, they were there. They were like Johnny on the spot. Like, oh, I'm going to shoot. Like, oh, well, hello, here's my chest. Yeah. Yeah, no, and some of those, I mean, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And yeah. I mean, granted, the Philadelphia was really good. They were good, but, and, but they were also, I mean, yeah. like, for example, the one play in the first half where we had, what, three shots on goal. Oh. And, like, eventually, like, the, the Blake is beat, and was it Elliot that was just sitting in the back line and just blocked it? I don't remember if it was Elliot or not, but someone, yeah. one of the defenders just sitting in the back line, back line just blocks it after Blake is completely out of the play because the rebound just fell straight to yeah. Angelo's foot. And sometimes yeah. you just get unlucky. Angelo had two block shots on that. Yeah. I swear to God, the guy, like, something about him. You know, I we were generating chances, though, you know. Yeah. But you know, to your point about the, the dummy run that opened up the opportunity for Darwin or Molino's goal where he took the clever little little one-touch thing and then hit it, you know, it seemed to me anyway, from my vantage point, that the second half felt so heavily loaded on the right side of the field, which is great. It's meant, meant, meant Nair was getting into the attack a lot, but we were sending in cross after cross after cross, and you got the sense that Philly was just content to deal with that because yeah. we weren't really posing much of a threat aerially, and the handful of chances that we get, did get, the the dummy from Angelo to, to Darwin, the little clever thing from Molino were those moments that were unexpected where it wasn't just a cross that was whipped in from 40 yards out. It was like those, those kind of clever little plays. And uh, I don't know if we got frustrated and, and we're just getting desperate for a goal and started hoofing it in, but it was exciting to see some of that stuff. And we saw it pay off twice. If yeah. you called Dotson's volley, a, a clever the, play. The, the, um, uh, the changes that were made is uh, we had a double change in the 69th minute with Abu coming in and Molino coming in. I thought uh, I felt very vindicated. Like a minute before that, I said very publicly, "There's witnesses." It was like Molino needs to come in. This is perfect for him. Uh, and then later on, oh, those are the only two we made, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is another question. But, but um, but who do you put but, in? But, yeah, yeah. Who do you put in? And 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 I think like a lot of times as fans, we harp on subs a bit too much. Actually, we always do, but sometimes it's deserved. But. You know, Abu, I thought, actually looked good as well. Um, I, I thought, you know, he didn't quite have a, a ton of production, but I thought he looked dangerous. And partly it was that the team around him was dangerous. I mean, right. at no point did we stop being good in the attack. You know, or like fluid. It, you know, maybe a bit yeah. more cross-heavy, but like... But we were still getting forward a lot. Yeah, forward and like... And good connection, good yeah. passing... Um, lots of good connections in the the final third, but then you know this team is defending really well, and there's lots of bodies in the way. Yeah, yeah, and like and this thing like Abu, like especially compared to um, the Atlanta game, like his runs were so much better this once he came in. 
And I don't know if that's just a you know lack of pressure coming in as a sub versus a starter. In fact, I mean, Philadelphia. But he hasn't looked good as a sub even. even no, that's a good I point. Mean, he hasn't really. Uh, been I a could say this maker. is his best game so far, and it wasn't great, but it was. It, yeah. it showed a bit more of the the the. Maybe there's less pressure on him when people are looking good, and maybe it's better easier to look good. But um, he didn't have to create it to look good, but he was a part of the goodness, and he never detracted from it. He added to it. Yeah, and I think also it's like he was on the right side. Uh, Metnair gets a lot of attention on the right side, yeah. which frees up some space for Abu just because yeah. it's kind of similar to how Darwin, like last summer, took the league by storm because no one had ever scouted him and knew what to do with him. Similar thing with Metnair. Like, oh, he just came out of nowhere because, I mean, of all of our signings, it was the one that everyone was least excited about. It turns out to be the best one. And, like, but I think teams are trying to get a little bit more smart about this and giving him a lot more attention, which is de- deservedly so. And that's opening up space then for Abu on the right side if it's played right and you can have, you know, decent connections between the players. So the, the interesting thing about Dunlady that I've noticed this season, and I was actually a little surprised to hear, um, Callum and Kendra bring it up in the last broadcast. Um, they actually noted that other players were hesitating and were kind of thinking twice before passing the ball to Dunlady because he had repeatedly, in that game and in other games, made the wrong run or held off too long or you know just done something that that caused whoever else had the ball moving upfield with him to think twice. And I think the instance specifically that they cited was was um, a moment where he had made a run and Schuler actually kind of looked him off and didn't give him the ball. And they basically said, you know, we get it. Schuler is <laughs> kind of sensing, I don't want to give the ball up. I don't want to turn this over because he's made he hasn't made the right run. Right. And, you know, I think part of what's going on with Darwin and it's not just Dunlady. I think, I think part of what you're seeing with him is he's trying to do too much. He's not believing in some of the players around him. And I think what was so exciting when he first came into the league is there was immediately chemistry between Darwin, Miguel and Christian. And I don't know what happened to the Darwin Miguel link, but he certainly hasn't reestablished what he had with Christian with Angelo or, or with anybody else. And I think is trying to do a lot of that himself, which some of the criticisms he had in his final season or two at Club America was a lot of the same stuff. He was just trying to do too much. I, I mean, one of the one of the uh, hypotheses I think that uh, I came up with um, after the Atlanta game. We did two podcasts last week, and Bruce was on uh, after the Atlanta game, and Bruce was talking really about Miguel has been played not only on his wrong side, right on the on the left, and he's not often. In his career, he's mostly been a right-sided player. He's right-footed, yep. but also he's having to defend for uh, one of our weakest positions, the left back. Right, so he's he's not only having to play. Um, I, I think he can play as an inver- inverted winger or whatever, um, but he's also having to do a lot of his defensive work. So he's never free to do his mm-hmm. best things were do a little bit of roaming exchanging with Quintero yep. and that's why I've been harping on this idea of Molino, Quintero, Ibarra doesn't matter where they are right like right. if you have the three of them exchanging as long as they're as long as it's coordinated and thoughtful the three of them are all extremely talented roaming players who if you can get them all to buy in and help defend the fullbacks help you know Maybe that's a tough ask. It, maybe it's super naive of me to say that, 
but I like saying it, and some of you can say it. But. Yeah, no, and I think also, I mean, God willing, Missy and I will get like a full time left back in the next transfer window because I think that is also going to take a lot of the stress off of him because even you know whether it was against Philadelphia or against Atlanta, he's on the left side and he's with Dotson, who you know has his first MLS appearances yeah, and he's back there helping out Dotson because obviously you don't want to leave a 21 year old. You want to give them the support they needs and not overwhelm them and have them, you know, make some bonehead mistake. And so he's there and he's doing a lot of that. So I think I noticed like, especially against Philadelphia, he was back helping Dotson a lot on covering that left side. And when you're, again, it comes down to tactics. And like, like you said about what, uh, what the coach is telling Grey Goose, like what's, it seems like what he's telling uh, Heath is telling Ibarra is that you need to help out on the backside because, and deservedly so, because, I mean, don't let this run of the defense fool you. We have had the worst defense for the longest time. And yeah. so it makes sense to focus on the defense. And I think that's kind of what's going on with Ibarra right now. And if we could have someone that could take the pressure off of that and allow him to be Ibarra up, like, you know, a playmaker who's like, playing out on the wing and coming in doing the 10 roll and doing whatever, like he's where he's at his best. I, I think, think he, that'd be great. I think he deserves, not that he doesn't get it, but I think he deserves another full round of credit for being such a professional about all of this because there's a guy that will never, he's never going to complain about yeah. having to pull more weight defensively and not be freed up to, you know, spark things on the offensive half of the field. He just goes out there and he does it and he works hard and he puts his head down and he runs and he does that every single game, regardless of what yeah. he's being asked to do. And I think that's why he's, you know, so beloved here is because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't go on the media and clamor for respect or whatever yeah. it might be. He just goes out there and does what he's asked to do. We're gonna, we're we're gonna go through one pod without net mentioning Schmalzbo. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but even but, with that too, is like that's what a, is slightly concerning to me about Dotson and his role because Dotson seems like he could very much be a younger version of Miguel Bar, like. Whether it's defending or if it's coming up, you know, playing on the wing, doing whatever, he seems like he could very much be an outside utility player. Yeah, and that's why I really hope we can get someone who can actually focus on the left back position and do that full time because that's what we desperately need. Because Dotson could play anywhere; he's a utility. He could play on the wing. He could play left back. He could play right back. He could even play the number six, number eight. He could do whatever. And if we don't focus on getting some additional support on the side to replace Calvo, which Thank God we're replacing Calvo. But uh We did it. You said his name. I know. He's gonna I am prepared for the acts. <laughs> he listens to this still. All <laughs> the time. Sure when does the secondary transfer window open? July seventh. July seventh. I was just gonna look it up, but you you, you knew the guy that has the watches was gonna know that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's He's been on my there. calendar for He's months. Got it. <laughs> um I want to ask you a more basic question going back to the beginning. We used almost the same. Well, we used the same uh, attacking lineup. Why did it work this time and not like the last five games? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That's a soccer yeah. gods were smiling. I have no idea. Okay, did it? What? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, we created the yeah, chances. You're right. And did. all you can do it is did. You, you create can, the chances. You can snarkily say it didn't, but it did. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had 29 shots. Uh, we had 13 block. Right. So. So obviously something was working, and and you could see by the eye test, right? Like yeah. we were there was some fluidity and like, like, sexy heat going on with that first half in particular. Where especially when they scored that penalty, it was just like, are you kidding me? We were we should have scored seven by now, but the first half we had fifteen shots. I, I, I was like, I looked at that number, I was like, what? 
Um, well, maybe so. That's a it's an open question. I would love to hear feedback from people. Um, there's lots of people out there in the world who have bigger brains than us. Uh, we just happen to have microphones here, um, and so I, I just I was thinking about that. Like, okay, well, what, what was different doing? Yeah. And and obviously, like, you know, I I do want to credit Heath. I thought this game looked good. We were unlucky. So obviously something happened there. I don't know what the magic was. Um, do you have? Do you guys have remaining like? Do you have a player of uh, a man of the match that that you thought from this game? Uh, I mean, you could say Dotson just because of that goal, but I mean, yeah. it that wasn't it wasn't a difference maker goal, but it was a beautiful goal. Uh, I don't really know. Like no one. The nice thing about it is that like. It was a team effort. Like, no one really stood out. Like, everyone was making great runs. Like, Darwin was making some great passes out to the wing for Finley, who was completing the runs and getting mm-hmm. in the space and doing his thing and putting in well-timed crosses back. And even, like, when it was unlucky, went off of Angelo and went out to somebody else, it was still good shots going on, going onto the goal, so. Finley looked way faster this game. It seemed like, I've noted recently that, like, he still doesn't look up to speed. He was, maybe it's, I forget who he was up against, but... Maybe he just looked faster because they were slow, but he looked like they, the balls where they would send those long diagonals and he has to chase it. He was getting there and beating his man, and he hasn't done that in the last, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was very happy with that. I'm glad to see him move in again. He was energetic. You know, I, I think for me, the player that, and again, maybe this, I, I would have to go back and rewatch the game to really give you a serious answer about that, but, but in person, and maybe it's because I'm I wasn't jumping around with my back turned to the game for for half the game, but being in row three and seeing Metnir that close in person, it was impressive. He's he's just an impressive player, and yeah. he's never he's never flustered. He's always you know he's always immediately looking upfield to see what options are available, whether it's him making a run himself or identifying outlet options. Um, it was just nice to be able to sit and appreciate that in yeah. person for once. And seeing it on TV is, is fine, but um, he stood out yeah. to me. And, and, you know, but I agree with Mark, though. In a lot of ways, it was just, it was a solid team performance. And we're probably going to get ripped apart on Twitter for saying this because it, it was kind of weird to me when, when I got home and I saw, like, there was a lot of hate after this game. And I, and I didn't leave being, like, really pissed off. I left, like, I'm pissed that we didn't win but i I wasn't upset yeah i was like polling people after the game you know like people come into the bar and i'm like oh so what how how and people it seemed like people there maybe if you just see human beings after the game you're a bit happier or something like that but but um maybe it's just because david martin did you hear about this david martin because we didn't have karaoke after the game david martin was like well, we need to do Tiny Dancer. So um, there were some people back there, and I was like, well, none of you asked for this, but this is about to happen. And then uh, I, I, he started playing piano, and I turned on the mic, and I, I sang Tiny Dancer. And then we were like, he was like, I've got more songs. So I was like, okay, well, anyone want to sing? And uh, and then we got this, they were like, oh, she was a choir major. And so, <laughs> so I was like, what was your name? My name's Aaron. It's like, uh, do you have student loans? She's like, well, yeah, my, my wife and I have student loans. I was like, well, the Blackheart, we tip our performers. So I'd like threw her some cash. And, uh, and then she sings uh, Piano Man. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bennett, uh, who's at Red Loon, he was like, do you know, you know who that was? I was like, no. 
It's like, it's Congresswoman Erin May Quaid. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was totally like backwards hat, yeah. tank top, like sports girl. <laughs> it was like, oh, no, now that you say that, I recognize her, but I've never met her before, so I just know her via. Tra- so anyway, Congresswoman Erin uh, May Quaid uh, killed Piano Man. She was not a choir major. She was in choir. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was just a digression. Uh, anything else about the game you wanna you wanna hit? Like highs, lows, things that stood out. Wonderwall was loud. We we talked yeah. we talked about this a little bit before we started recording tonight. Seeing it from outside of it, which was a new perspective for me, um, it was impressive. It it's it's loud. It's visually imposing. It's steep. Yeah. It's big. You know, I I think there are other great supporter sections in the league. Um, Few of them have that kind of physical presence in their respective stadiums, which I thought was was pretty cool. And it's fun to know that most games I'm a part of that, yeah. and um, it made me want to get back into it. But it's a it's a special atmosphere there, and I think even in this young season, I think some of us have already started to kind of take it for granted. And uh, you watch some of the other games around the league, and boy. <laughs> You know, we, we, we're pretty good by comparison. It was funny. So Kalen Carr from MLS was in town. We were talking about the game. And he, I was asking for his impressions. And he was like, you know, I was really impressed with how educated the fan base seemed to be. Like when when something would happen that was good, that wasn't an obvious ooh-ah, there was like an appreciation. Like that person tracked back. They did their thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, Brent made a couple of good tackles. Early, yeah. And people were, were there. And I, I was like, well... In some ways, like there have been lots of people have been soccer fans here before, but really, like, look, think about the last four years. Like, so many people are at their the first professional games of the last couple of years, and and the amount, you know, the amount of education that happened has happened pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and the appreciation that people have where they're not just there, they feel engaged with the game, and I, I think that comes from. You know the the oohs and ahs and the reactions aren't always coming from Wonderwall, but yeah. the Wonderwall loudness is kind of draws people into the game. You can't sit back and you can, but most people are not sitting back and being like, "Hey, buddy!" Like at, char- at Twins games, right? Yep. Everyone goes there and you just it's every come yep 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 yep. You know, people around us were were clapping along, even if, even if they weren't singing the yeah. songs. I think there's still you know a general Minnesota hesitancy to do that. Um, people were clapping along and the call and response thing was in the second half, there were moments where, I mean, you actually would look around the stadium and go, holy shit. Yeah. That's loud. Yeah. yeah I re- when I rewatched it on TV or on DVR tonight and like yeah. the call and response, like basically from the 70th minute to about like the, you know, when we went down again in the 86, yeah. like that was loud, like yeah. really, really loud. People believed it was like a... You watch because the team the team does that right. It's hard to it's hard to force that. You know this as a capo, right? Like it's hard to just create yeah excitement when, when really the team hard. is moving when they're <laughs> passing. Not just the shots, but like yeah. they're they're creating it. Like yeah, you can do that. And then the capo's job, right, is to like just feel that and like hopefully respond games, properly, get people moving the way games like that are so much fun to be in front of. Yeah, the supporters section because you don't really have to do much. Like right. y- you basically, you're just kind of steering things yeah. a little bit. But as long as you don't stifle something, you're like right. you can, you can always kill energy from that position. You just yep. have to do a good job of feeling it. But when when the crowd is into it like that, when the 
when the game is helping the crowd yeah. be into it, hopefully they can reciprocate and yeah. and give back. But it doesn't take much to get people going. Just a little bit of direction, you know, the, the first couple words of a song, and then you put the megaphone down yeah. and let it do its thing. Yeah. And that's what I sensed was happening last night from the other side of the field, which is it's yeah. such a great thing. It's yeah. so awesome. Well, um, let's uh, let's take a break. We, we, I want to come back. We'll, we'll briefly talk about Colorado coming up this weekend. I want to talk about the uh, Pride game, etc. Um, but, uh, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. All right, welcome back to the 551 podcast. I'm Wes. I'm here with Adam Jarvey, Mark Fangmeyer, and uh, we're going to do Twitter questions in a bit. But um, uh, two things we want to talk about Colorado this weekend. It's an 8 to 10 game uh, on uh, Saturday night uh, at the Blackheart. We'll have it. I'll be back from Pennsylvania, and uh, we'll have a drag show right after. It's going to be like. Actually, drag time is usually like means ten thirty. But anyway, <laughs> um, any anything you're Colorado or suddenly not bad. Connor Casey's leading them uh, to uh, to not terribleness. Um, uh, are you anything we're looking forward to this? We are missing. We are uh, miss Greg Goosh, Metnier, Schuler, and Molino. And Molino. So midfield. Uh, the options there are you can move Dasani uh, um, Dotson, sorry, Hassani Dotson. Um, he's not bottled water, Wes. Yeah, <laughs> um, you can move him back to midfield. We've got Colin Martin back in town. Um, uh, would love to see him uh, get out there. Will he play him, or is he just going to wait until he opens up? Maybe, maybe. I mean, but you need a central midfielder, right? You've got Ozzy. Who are you going to put there? You really have. What are the options? Dotson and Martin. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that Am our best a backup to Grey Goose is Schuler. Yeah, he won't be there. I'm not forgetting a midfielder, am I? So you'd have to think it is Colin Martin, because Dotson, for whatever he is, like Colin Martin has, we, you know, I think is good at many parts of his game, not great enough at other parts, but he is decent at kind of moving the ball forward a bit. Um, that's my assumption, but seems yeah. seems and reason, then, and reasonable. You need, and you you need uh, Dotson to play fullback because Metnier's not there. You you've got uh, I assume Eric Miller starting on the left, Dotson on the right, or swap them. I don't know. Yeah, because you're not gonna. I mean, you could put a Barra back there again. Yeah, but but, but then who would do make you put no sense. there? Then you have Dunlady and Finley on the wings, right? Because you have no Molino. It it's really like. You have to start with what you can do well. Yeah. And you know the, that Dotson can do the fullback job. Miller can do it. I don't know why he's not been trusted, but I guess Dotson's been decent. Um, Martin, you know, can play central midfield. And if he's got a lot, uh, Alonzo next to him, so many times he was just partnered with Ibsen, which is like, Jesus Christ, um, trying to play midfield next to that dude. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't know if you have any other Colorado thoughts. But. Who starts up top for you? Um, Angela. Okay, Angela, you don't have anybody else. Your newfound, your newfound love for Abu Dunlady doesn't, yeah, doesn't change things. No, not at all. No, um, they, they can Ethan play on the left. Is he no, just not, is he, he I just think that's just not his game. He he is a out and out winger. He's the only out and out winger we have in the team. But I, I just think that that's his role. Um, 
I want to talk about the Pride game. Uh, this last Sunday was the Pride game. Uh, I want to say a big shout out and thank you to the entire volunteer TFO committee. It was heartbreaking that the wind, they just, the rigging, they've not. Uh, there's so many logistics for putting up TFO that huge. They made this amazing TFO. It could not be displayed because of the wind. And then by the time the game happened, there was no wind. Uh, it's such a bummer to see that not be able to put out and uh, like all the hard work that everyone did on it. So I'm, I'm super appreciative of it and like very frustrated for them because it's just like, gah. Yeah. And, and I hope that everybody involved with that, who put in all the hours on it knows that 99.9% of our fans appreciate the hell out of everything that those guys and girls do. I mean, it's, it's, incredible amount of work it's it's crazy dedication and you're crossing your fingers that it's going to work and sometimes it it doesn't and that's just the breaks but it's amazing work and onward and upward and i think everybody's looking forward to the next one what's great is that um uh carr i mentioned was in town uh with the video crew to do an episode of the movement on um uh, basically Pride Month, they're going to be looking at Stonewall, um, which, uh, you know, if listeners don't know the history of Stonewall, uh, is like the beginning of the modern uh, gay pride movement, um, basically built on the, the, the sacrifices of trans people of color. And so they were there. They're, they're going to be here all week. I convinced them to stay an extra day so they could be at Wednesday night's drag show because they were like, oh, do you have a drag show? And I was like, Wednesday and they were going to leave that night so they're going to stay for that <laughs> um uh we connected them you know one thing I, I'm very amazed at is the ability for um the Wonderwall for supporters to have um when I'm up there uh, or when I'm in the section I see the people leading us uh the capos um we've got uh trans people we've got um gay and lesbian people we've got people of color we got people who really represent our community, but also like we, I want to see um, leading us and is super cool. Uh, so seeing these guys come in town, they want to look at this and talk to a bunch of, of supporters about it and talk to, you know, they're going to interview one of the drag performers as well. And, um, and it, it's great. Uh, I really love the movement. I love what Kalen's done. Uh, I just came from dinner with them and was super impressed with the idea of, them getting behind, you know, looking at the stories of um, MLS or of soccer culture, but just of culture, just store, these cities, like Portland, Vancouver, all these places, and DC with their um, a Black History um, story about DC. Um, it's it's great. It's really interesting, it, it, and it gives us a depth of what soccer can be in in our lives, which is more than just yelling at grown men, kicking a ball. I do love yelling at grown men. It's, it's the greatest thing in my life. But. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love it. But no, you're right. It, it's great to, it's great that other, that other people around the country in the soccer community are noticing what I think all of us have known and, and fell in love with for years locally. And, you know, I think what it's grown into is just a bigger and I would say better version of what it's always been. Mm-hmm. And for people to acknowledge that, I think, um, is nice. And it's yeah. it's um, it's great to see folks that put in all the hard work to make that happen and to make sure that environment exists because it doesn't just happen. 
you have to you have to actively create it and make people feel welcome in that space and um it's more than saying all are welcome it's yeah, actually you actually have to actually do it. saying the name you have to bring people to forward it. yeah so it's great i um superb pride month i'm excited uh you know personally for my first pride month owning uh, owning this bar it's going to be really exciting for me to um to to see it um and just participate in it it's it's been a whirlwind year for me to um my life has changed a lot in terms of just the people in my life and so it, it it's been pretty cool so i'm i'm excited for it i'm i'm super pumped that these guys were in town to to video it so that's awesome yeah um i think there was another point i wanted to something uh, other thing i wanted to hit but i'm going to just do twitter questions party trash da- party thrash dad luke craig says who are the top 5 players we need to Hashtag watch for the upcoming transfer window. Wait, before you, before you go, Mark, Luke Luke has a new supporters group, apparently after this last game, yeah. called the Big Island Ultras. Yes. Luke, we've made many comments about his uh, yeah. his love of Hawaiian shirts, and, and Luke is a quintessential uh, dad. Uh, I aspire to be Luke. Yeah, yeah, we we all do. Um, and and actually, Eric Silverbrenneman was also wearing a was it Eric? Yeah, Eric is also wearing a Hawaiian shirt uh, in the section. I I was I saw Luke very clearly from afar and was like, well, there's Luke. It's wonderful party. So five players we need to hashtag watch. This is your this is your uh, beat. All right, number one, Sebastian Villa. He's a winger. He plays for Boca Juniors. He's only twenty three. Uh, right, left wing. Do we he, know? He he's been playing more on the right recently. He, he can play both. Boca has him at the right side. Uh, yeah, apparently um, when and I from blanking on his name, the new Galaxy coach came from Boca Juniors. Scaloto. Yeah. When he came, he was very interested in bringing him with. Didn't work out, and um, I would love to see him come. And we have connections with Boca Juniors because of our very the Minnesota does with their awful kind of attempt to sign a guy who beat up his girlfriend. So <laughs> we, we got that connection. And also he played with Angelo in Colombia. Oh. Yeah. So there there's that connection that too. Good watch. Excellent. So I'm I'm all in on Number one. Number Villa two. <laughs> number two is it's a twofer. Ooh, number so two and three. I'm sure we've all <laughs> seen the what uh Norway did uh putting up what 13 goals against Cutter? Yeah. In the, U- in the U20s. Uh, Everyone's big ratings in the US for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so and the guy who had nine of them was uh Erling Holland. Sure. That's his name. So, I mean obviously he's be a great fit because he's from Norway. So, I yep. mean we all know that Scandinavian just, folks adapt well to our climate and yep. really do well coming in and really just acclimate themselves well to our team. So, from past experience. So, I think he, He'd be a great one, but more importantly, is that so a while back, back when the Calvo trade happened, I got this um, a DM from someone who said, "Off the record, uh, Minnesota or Manny and company have been out in France and they've been scouting left backs all spring." And this person DM'd you, yeah. So we won't, obviously we're not saying who, but like right. people are now seeking you out. <laughs> yeah, great. And, he, so and it was great. like off the record, like and. He's like, yeah, I, I know they've been in France, and it turns out I think Jeff Ruder reported that like Manny's been in France, Belgium, and then is in Poland now for the U uh, twenty. So perfect. Seems. And then he, he also he also he's also the one that said that uh, there's a trip planned in June to go out to Korea. All right. And so with that, I looked it up, and like, and so we put that out there on Twitter. 
I, we talked about it a little bit, and, we, and I forget who tags somebody who actually knows about Korean soccer. Uh, MJ, I think. MJ, well, MJ is Korean, yeah. so I think he... And yeah. MJ, like, tags somebody, and he had, came up with ideas, okay. and one of them was, I'm a butcher the name, it's uh, Hong Hee Chan, and he's a striker who plays, he's on loan right now at Hamburger. Uh, Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah. And he's, on, he's on loan right now, but the thing is, his loan ends in June, end of Ooh. June, June 30th, and he is on loan from RB Salzburg out in Austria, which is where Erling ha- Holland is from. Lives. Whoa. So, whoa, exactly. You know who's the coach? Jesse Marsh. Whoa, see, yeah. so it could all work out. You know who else plays in Korea? Who? Mix Discrude. I'm doing the sexy gen. Yep. All right, number four. Um. So we'll just spend. Uh, the, I'll just spend the rest of the podcast on this question. So. Yeah, and no, honestly, my other ones that I've come up with are just me looking for Metnir Gold oh. at the left side, where I just looked up young left backs who are French. Did you look them up in like Football Manager database? Uh not that advanced. I was oh. pretty much just uh, transfer market. It's oh, like okay. who who's a uh, in the under twenty four and can yeah. whatever in the price range that we can go with. And there's a uh, one guy who plays for. <laughs> Again, just, there's there's this guy that yep, he's in, he's a uh, place for uh is it and I'm terrible at uh, Dutch pronunciations Utrecht 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 see I can't pronounce anything yeah that's right uh, Utrecht it's an art, and, um, art store uh, Nicholas Gavery he's 24 okay uh, boom Gavery watch yeah so Gavery watch and so yeah otherwise I mean. There's always Tolo watch if we really want to get him from Seattle because we need a left back. He's, what, only 21? He's never really impressed anybody. There's probably a reason why he's not starting or doing anything for Seattle, but still, he's there. Before we close on the watches thing, Mm -hmm. though, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Benedetti watch will be a thing again in two to three years. Oh, actually, Benedetti watch, since Mark and I are basically on the wall for this shit, I know that Game of Thrones is over, but Game of Thrones references are not. Uh, the uh, we're, the watch has not ended. No, he's I, he's, he's coming off injury. We for, forsworn our partners. Right. We live on this watch in black. We've taken the black. Coming off injury at America, he's going to struggle to get minutes. He's one of many young South American players in League MX. If his ultimate goal is to get noticed, he's going to get noticed more as the star of a team in MLS. Darwin Quintero. At the end of this year, gets sunset. Bring in Benedetti watch. Uh, so Robert the Red wants a question that I assume this is for you. He says, which player from Liga MX would you want Minnesota United to realistically target or not? Or, or not? Why would you say not? Just target. Or not, or not. <laughs> Who do you want them to not target? Uh, so <laughs> if, if I had a bag of Manny Lagos cash, Ooh. I'm going down to Club America again because he has good friends there that apparently gave us Darwin for 200000 transfer fee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend a lot more money, and I'm going to get Bruno Valdez for center back, and I'm going to line up Ozzy's long-term replacement in Guido Rodriguez. Guido's, okay. Guido's going to cost us a lot of money, but he's 24, 25, a couple caps for one, two caps, I think, for Argentina. Yeah. Um, Two years from now, he'll be, I think, attainable. How old is he now? I want to say he's 25 or so. Okay. But, yeah. you know, the that kind of 26 to 29-year-old range, to me, is kind of a, a sweet spot. 
yeah. for getting guys like that? Well, I mean, we have to think like right now in the offs the, the, during this season, Minnesota United. If you are, and we we've talked about this recently on the podcast. Like, if you're them and you know you've got another DP spot, you've got a little bit of money and some stuff. We're going to make the playoffs this year, and we could actually be pretty good this year. Do and now you know we know that the team is. I think rightly being smart about when you when you lay down some of your you take a chance right yeah you're always going to try to at least be eight and nine but if you're going to be up there then that's all right i'm going to spend some money we're going to try to do this maybe this could be our year to make at least a big name for ourselves because we make the playoffs maybe we win one or two games maybe we lose in the semifinals you have to think well they already know they need to fill the left back spot yeah Maybe maybe then it's like, okay, well, we know we did need to do that. Maybe we can spend a bit more and get a left winger or a striker. Left, uh, left winger, Andres Ibarguin from Club America. So my whole transfer strategy, if you haven't figured out, <laughs> is just send I, a bunch of money to Club America. I'm just going down to Mexico City, which is a wonderful place, and yeah. I'm just going to hang out in Mexico City. I'm going to cool. befriend the front office of Club America. Manny may send you. He you might. Just, you should see him up. He might. And I'm just going to offer to sign their players. And some of them are going to agree to come. Just statistically, some of them will agree to come. What's the experience of, this is from uh, um, uh, Elisa, uh, what's the experience of Alliance with a baby? Awesome. It's yeah. really great. Um, Katie really probably answers this better than I do, but they have a, a wonderful, um, I forget what the sign outside of it says, but it's a family room, basically, and um it's not limited just to mothers, but it's, you know, Katie will take Isla in there to change her. I know they have changing tables in, in the bathrooms too, but yeah. they have a room specifically set aside where they've got kind of little private cubbies, for yeah. lack of a better yeah. uh, term, for breastfeeding, for changing. And TVs are in there now? They, I think they do have a TV in there now. Yeah, which was so, a, like, you yeah. know, that was a, like... Hey, we need these in there, and the team responded, which is good. Yeah, it, that's awesome. It, it was and pretty quickly, right? Like we're it, <laughs> it was months. great, but everything about it has been. I think Isla's been to four games now, and it's been great. Like getting through security has been good with the diaper bag, the clear diaper bag. Yeah, uh, like I said, that room is great, and it's it's been good. After. Uh, Rodrigo and Dunord last week, this is from uh, Brian Hanf, after Rodrigo and uh, Bruce last week, uh, me, all right, this is, there's a lot of tagging here, trying to assert some authority over the pod, Wes trying to assert some authority over the pod, question, if you could eat only one sandwich for the rest of your life, what would it be? This is for both of us? Yeah. Ooh. Um... How are we defining sandwiches? What? Oh... Uh, you define it, then we can debate what you've just said. I'm having a, a good old Iron Range porchetta sandwich. What is it? <laughs> Get out of here. Porchetta sandwich. I've never what, had what it. Is I have it? no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Porchetta. Yeah, porchetta. I know, actually, yeah. this came up sometime in the off season or whatever, and it was like, oh, you don't know porchetta. I was like, I don't know what porchetta is. Oh, yeah, is. we did have that. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I would have. Okay. I don't but, know if you would pick a style, then you're allowed to have variants, but I would just do a grilled cheese because could, I could live off of grilled cheeses. What kind of cheese? Uh, the best one I've had recently is. Uh, at the um, back of my neighborhood, West Seventh, St. Paul, you should come visit at the Cake and Case. Uh, oh, cheese! Uh, just re- like they had a spot there for like food, like cheese plates and stuff, and they just rebranded and they're doing like grilled cheese and mac and cheese now. And they have a um, blue cheese gargonzola pear and honey grilled cheese, mm. which is fantastic. I will say that their food truck 
I tried it a couple of years ago, and it was terrible. Oh, really? Ooh. It was like, this is like Velveeta and white bread. What am I doing? Why? Like, so that's good yeah. to hear. That's oh, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Like, I know that a lot of people like it takes time to develop or yeah. whatever. I'm glad to hear that. Like they have nachos Ab- now too. Abel Brewery was that way, where it was like I went there because I used to live a block from there. I was like, this beer is bad, and then I think they got better. And now I, friends tell me like I haven't been back there in a while, but friends tell me that oh no, they're really good now. Yeah. So. Um, speaking of, do you guys have a preferred like favorite brewery? Like they can't go wrong for me in town. Uh, no, uh, bad weather. Okay. It also helps that I live four blocks away. And Jesus I'm a beer club Christ. member, and I get two Someone's free beers. Going full a West Seventh on this. Pod. I know. And actually, if you guys, if anyone out here is heading to the St. Paul Beer Fest on Saturday, I'll be slinging beers for bad weather at the beer fest. So, but no. Uh, Andy, their head brewer, Beer does, Watch does an amazing job. Uh, I mean, usually all through the year they have at least two or three loggers on tap, which are not easy to keep on tap and tough to do. And Andy does them very well, and they're very good. As a total selfish uh, non-podcast, just be- bar owner question, best IPA in the Twin Cities? Just looking for straight IPA. Best, I don't know. But Your favorite. This, this is why I didn't answer favorite, the favorite. first question really. Because if you go it, into it all, and like this is what I'm going to go to. It all tastes the same. Okay. Okay, no. that's cool. I mean, yeah. it's like Hopkermanser again. Bad weather. I spend a lot of time there. Jesus. Right. But they're, they're great. No, cut his mic. Exactly. Bell, I, I do love Bell, bad weather a lot. Bills are uh, bad weather. Their Hopkermanser is always. It's just a great. Okay. IPA. Cool. Otherwise, I mean, Bell's too hard. It is hands down the best, just basic IPA you can ever okay. get. Postcard is good. I'll give you that. I I feel like part of my dark clouds cred is diminished because I yeah. I don't like I don't really I appreciate beer. I like it. I I don't know. It all kind of right. it's all kind of that's all right. I'm just I'm I'm like uh, researching some options here. Uh, so let's see. Um, <laughs> the real Greg X says, "What is the true nature of Angela's existence on the team?" <laughs> That's actually a very deep question because I don't know yet. Because I think, from what I've seen from him, he's a very good soccer player. And I just don't know if tactically he's being used properly. And again, I don't know what his place is just because I don't really know how he fits into the Heath system. Like running down the wing and centering him in is not Heath's, it doesn't fit with Angela's style of play unless he's the one, you know, at. You know, midfield. That's you know, doing the hold up play and sending some guy out wide, but he's not doing that too much. And so I, I don't know. I feel like he's a he would be great as like a package deal with another really clever, really mobile, fast player. Jermaine Defoe. Easily Jermaine. Ye, ye old Peter Crouch. Ye. Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur. All right, but but that player doesn't no. exist on our team. And actually, like we never got a chance to see it. Like there was. One match wonder. we could have, but I actually would have thought that uh, I would love to see how Angelo and Christian Ramirez play oh. together. How he could, like, with Christian's ability to just, like, fill space and make room and just Angelo's ability to, like, hold up play. And what I thought it would be awesome okay. together. And then it well, never happened. Alex Schieferdecker says, Spruce Tree Center, a quirky city landmark or an architectural dinosaur blighting an important corner? Ooh. As an architect, let's yeah. go to the architect first. Uh, yeah, I think 
the blight on that corner is the CVS cross the street. Yeah. That building is far more offensive and far more of a crime against architecture than Spruce Tree because it happened at a time and era when everybody knew better. Yeah, it didn't It turned its back to the corner. Yeah, literally the entrance to it this, is this, away from the, it's a, the most traffic corner in Minnesota. It's kind of a shameful approval on the city's part because they knew about the light rail at that point. You know, it went up before the light rail came in, but they knew it was happening so much so that they put like a weird clause in there that said, if we ever tell you, you need to, you have to put an entrance on the corner itself, which is why there's that weird door on the corner of Snelling and university, which has then like the hallway that leads to the actual door on the back of the building. The city made him put that in as like a, Hey, when the green line opens, we want you to have a street presence. But that to me is bigger failure than, than Spruce tree. Spruce tree. You love it. I do love it. Like, it was one of the first, and I don't know, I know it was one of the first LEED certified buildings in either St. I think in St. Paul, maybe Twin Cities, I don't remember. In the world. Let's probably, say maybe that. in the world. Just say it. But no, I mean, like, if, especially if you look at the. The era, green tiles are all if, if, photovoltaic panels. If, I mean, it was open in what, 88? Like, if you look at what was there in 88, like, you had the rainbow where you had to walk a block across a parking lot to get there. Like, that was definitely. How old is is that building? What did you say? I think it was open in eighty eight. That's the truth. Yeah, like, that I thought it was like ancient. It's mm-hmm. eighty eight. Oh yeah. man! And did you know that has a swimming pool? Whoa! What? Yeah, it prove the, it. The physical therapy place there had a pool and stuff. Like the like the owners of them. Can I like, go swim in it? It's it's a like a hot pool or a heated pool, whatever. Cool. Even physical better. therapy and like apparently the building owners like let them like knock a wall down so that the pool could be installed and brought in. They had to like dig it out and do everything. But yeah, there's a pool in there. Speaking of that, the Episcopal Homes at Fairview, the yeah. old folks apartment complex, has its own private pub. Full liquor license. Oh. Is it called Porky's and do they have onion rings? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. I haven't met the age cutoff yet. Uh okay. I, I there's a lot of questions. Um, we, we, this has been a very long podcast. John Stevenson, who wins the women's world cup? Go Mark France, U S I'll say the U S I kind of think France. Um, uh, okay. I, I'm not good. There's like, there's so many more. Thank you guys. Uh, so we've got Colorado this weekend and then we've got, so the women's world cup is starting this Friday. Um, uh, I, I want to say, uh, Blackheart will be open for all the 11, 11 o'clock and later games. If there's an 8 a.m. game that you actually want to come to... Um, come to Wes's house. The address uh, yeah, is... No, Blackheart will be open. I just like... There's a lot of asking extra people to work when... I, it's my first Women's World Cup. I don't know... I know people are going to be really excited about the women's games. The the Tuesday... So we'll have a, a episode before this... Tuesday, we've got Holly Manti, who's a mark, head marketer from Surly, used to play for the women's national team. Uh, she'll be there doing it. We'll do a live podcast with her. Um, we will do big stuff for the U.S. women's games. I want to see people out. I mean, I literally will be there opening up every day. But I just decided that, like, I, I literally, I don't, I don't want to wake up early and clean the place before an 8 o'clock game and then spend the whole day and have no one be there. So... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can like send me some DM feedback. But Women's World Cup is coming up. I'm super excited. We'll talk about it on Monday. Um, I'm not a super expert, but I'll pretend to be because, hey. 
Uh, anyway, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Adam. It's great to see you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast, Mark. Adam, it's great to see you back. <laughs> we'll have you both back sometime soon because Rodrigo and Eric, uh, you know, whatever. They're old news. Happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I think.